0: Hi everyone! Welcome to Street Sweeper again. I'm Ricardo,
1: and I'm Will.
0: We were doing an episode on the Biennale, obviously. However, uh, we realized that it made more sense to do a substantially more involved and complicated episode, using the Biennale as an entry point to do the much like delayed. Uh, episode that we've talked about uh, before on uh, what is third world architecture as a response to uh, patron question that we got we talked about it before Uh, given that this Venice Biennale is ostensibly like the like global south decolonization Biennale right so it made sense for us to make it connected to this broad theme that we've been meaning to address for a while yep And that, because we've been away from London all the time and stuff, it's just been completely impossible to do it now. So um, it's going to come out probably, we are not guaranteeing, probably two weeks from today.
1: Yeah. Um, In the meantime... Please enjoy uh, this uh, little episode on architecture in space.
0: Yes, instead of the global (laughs) south, it's the global top. The
1: sky, <laughs> <In> the sky.
0: <laughs> Yeah, enjoy a te- uh, like a twenty-minute bit or so on Star Trek. Yeah, and architecture. Yeah, uh, and uh, see you soon for the actual full-length, proper episode uh, sometime later this month. <laughs>
1: yeah. So I want to share with you a little story, uh, something that made me appreciate architecture, really made me appreciate design in a way that maybe I I haven't before. Okay. (laughs) I want to talk about Star Trek Picard season three. (laughs) Okay. I, I have
0: not watched it. I don't blame you. I have not watched Eddie Picard.
1: No, uh, season three is the only one that I watched.
0: No, I mean, we, we were told by Bradletter Media, right, that yeah. Star Trek Picard is good, as opposed to the other two. But I don't believe them.
1: No, they're more reliable as as critics than as, like, recommenders.
0: Yeah, I always believe them when they say something is bad. But I never believe them when they say something is good. <laughs>
1: Well, I I, I decided to trust them. So I watched uh, all of season three. And first thing I'd say is that they're basically, they're right that it's uh, competent and watchable and draws you in and you just, you want to watch it. You're not hating your life as you're watching it. Right, right. And not having seen seasons one or two, uh, maybe I can't tell just how bad it was. So how good this is by comparison. Mm Mm-hmm but there's a pretty deliberate move to not do what was done in the previous two seasons. Okay. Including just ditching all the content basically. Sure. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a complete reset as far as the actual plot goes. That's what they said. Yeah. Yeah. But I found myself watching it, even though the characters were closer to the TNG characters, uh, their motivations were a bit more rational, Mm. uh, that there was something about... Did they
0: act as grown-ups and not as, like, Zoomer teenagers?
1: Yeah, they did, for the most part, act as grown-ups. There was still some anachronistic teenager language thrown in, like uh, Picard calling somebody a, a douchebag. Or, uh, okay. But it's not on the level
0: of the previous. Uh, they don't constantly, like, Marvel quip? No, there wasn't.
1: there wasn't as much Marvel quipping. There was still a little.
0: Which is by far the the great grating thing about uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is, again, right. better than the other Star Treks that are coming out now. Right. Um, it's like episodic and it's like a different adventure in different planet every episode and shit, but the constant Zoomer talk is unbearable.
1: <laughs> yeah, like self-conscious. They're all like the constantly yeah. on Star Trek. Yes, yes. Yeah, uh,
0: constant little quips and constantly acting like they're teenagers all the time. Like, yeah. no, you're Starfleet officers. <laughs>
1: well, this is—I mean, just to, before we get too too far, it's into like the
0: being being competent and doing your job nowadays is somehow like conservative or something.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was gonna <laughs> say like, but as as we get more into the weeds of Star Trek, uh, like I think Star Trek is a is a is a good topic for architects. Okay. I, I uh, mean,
0: I, I think a lot of architects like Star Trek. I think it's more or less mandatory. I wouldn't trust an architect that doesn't like Star Trek.
1: Yeah. Do you think there's a correlation between architects who like Star Trek and who like sort of late modernism? I mean, obviously
0: there's some stylistic thing going on there, for sure.
1: Like, TNV's... At least they don't
0: object to to modernism.
1: Yeah, TNG is clearly postmodern in, like, historical time. Yeah. But I don't know what its, like, social political content is relative to architectural postmodernism. Yeah, even the enterprise,
0: the, like, the design is already moving into, like, the... The enterprise is very clearly high modernist, uh, the first enterprise in design, right? It's like the bits, yeah. each part has its own clear function that is communicated by its shape. Yeah. There's the disk where people live. Then yeah. there's like a big uh, thing where, which you where, like a big c- cylinder underneath, which is where it's the engineering part. And you can see it's not going to be where people live. It's going to be like. Important right. parts, and then there's like the big two engines, and everything is obvious,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Form follows function.
0: Yeah, and separation of functions volumetrically. Yeah. Um. The enterprise D, like the the different f- bits, are still there, but they're they're more flowing into each other a little bit. They're still yeah. separated, but they're they're more like organically integrated. I would say that the first enterprise is high modernism. It's like, I mean, it doesn't matter, like, the, I think the design of the enterprise is 10 to 15 years late on the architecture. Okay. <laughs> right? So the enterprise, the first enterprise, when is it invented? In 1960s? I think so. When? 1960s. So it's it's okay. It's it's there. It's there. That's about right. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's 1950s. Like, I would say it's 1950s architecture is the 1960s enterprise.
1: But the Enterprise D from TNG is more like uh, brutalism.
0: Yeah, that's what I would say.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's also after, like, 10 years to la- later. Yeah, the brutalism. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then the horrible Enterprise E, which is disgusting, and everyone knows it's disgusting. And if you don't, you're not a good architect.
1: <laughs> that's from the movies, right? The TNG movies?
0: Yeah, it's invented in the second TNG movie, the in the, in the Borg movie, where they also invent that the Borg have a queen, which is completely preposterous. Yeah, um, like the Borg are obviously evil communism. That's what they are. They they're the, they're scary because they don't have a queen. Them having a queen makes them more relatable.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> that makes them less
1: alien. It's stupid. I do think that there, there could be something if 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 the queen was written by an intelligent Marxist. Uh, they could have made like a a dialectical like, thing about the leader. Central command units, uh,
0: or the state and the people, or whatever, like something.
1: Yeah, like some sort of representative function of the state, okay. and and like I don't know, there there be some. Okay. Parallel.
0: Well, uh, whatever the 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 writers of Star Trek, <laughs> we know are not intelligent people, much less intelligent Marxists, uh, of of the of of late Star Trek, so that, nothing to be done about it.
1: My general take on that, you, you mentioned like how in, in Star Trek, uh, Starfleet officers, cadets, whatever, they're all professional adults, right? Yeah. Well-trained. Yeah. Uh, well-disciplined. And they are on TNG maybe most most obviously. Yeah. Like that paradigm is really solidified by TNG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and even though it's made in like the late 80s into the 90s, it still reflects an historical moment where the PMC in the West will say has an has an ideology of meritocracy and competence right yeah and yeah. has some some basis for that still tenuous right. as it is right um, whereas like the later Star Trek that's completely gone to shit yeah um, and there's no pretense and the the PMC is just spouting ideology and acting yeah. crazy yeah <laughs> Which is exactly what they do in reality. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) There's Star Trek TNG and then Star Trek PMC.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So this this I take is all better in season three of Picard, but there was something still that was bothering me about it that meant I just couldn't really get it. It didn't feel like Star Trek to me. It wasn't scratching that, like nostalgia itch. That uh, the the red letter media guys really got off on the nostalgia from this, they mm-hmm. they really really hit there. Yeah, they're little strings. Okay. Yeah. Um, but for me, there were a few basic problems I realized that were stopping all this from being possible. It was, and they were all like uh, aesthetic and design related.
0: Oh, it's everything being dark all the time.
1: Everything being dark, as opposed to everything being really like, well-illuminated in actual Star Trek? Yeah. Everything being dark. There being lots of weird, like, all the lighting is direct. So it's either dark or it's, like, a glare, a light shining directly into the camera and into your eye. Right. There's no, like, diffuse light. To create, like, space. dramatic shading. Yeah. Like, all all ships are lit, like, Klingon ships. Right, right. Before. right. Right, right. Like, all ships are now, like... Dark, I like that. I like the, that. Current design is like Klingon. Yeah, it's, it's neo Klingon. In, <laughs> in the in the Federation is neo Klingon now. Uh, there's no carpet. Mm, mm. Um. Well, how how's the floor then? You know, you don't really see much of the floor, but I think it's just metal. Metal grates with like. I don't white. think <laughs> it's, I so don't think the it's letters, probably. I don't think it's the full Klingon, like grates with steam and smoke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the the Klingon is just like the sauna, okay? They have a sauna yeah. in the bridge. Yeah.
1: They want, to be, they want to feel like they're on a barbecue.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, it's Kronos is a hot planet. Right. That's right. just their atmosphere. I, I, you're just being racist. <laughs> right. That's just the atmosphere their biology is comfortable with.
1: I knew that about Cardassians, that Cardassians are basically lizard people. So they like a dry, hot atmosphere Mm. (laughs) matching Cardassia. Quick spoiler. There is a moment in season three where Picard makes a deliberate reference to the design dimension. Okay. Because they end up back on the D back on the Enterprise team. Right, right, I know that. That's that's not a spoiler for me. I, that's not a
0: spoiler for I anybody. Mean, no way that's okay. a spoiler for anybody.
1: And they're looking around, and and Picard looks down and he says, you know what? The thing that was missing, it was all about the carpets. Really? Yeah. And I was watching, I was like, that's actually true. Yeah. That's actually true. <laughs> like, all the characters might be back. I think he said something like, you know, it's, it, it's, it was never really about us being together or about our relationships. It was always about the purpose." Yeah. Uh, but Give I think that's question. actually
0: true. <laughs> when they move to the D, is the D dramatically Neo Klingon lit,
1: lit as well? No, it's, it's pretty much Enterprise D. It's, it's next gen, more or less. So the lighting or, is correct in the D? The lighting <laughs> is correct. The camera work is not correct. Camerawork sure. is still cinematic style, mm-hmm. but you're seeing it's not a, it, not flat enough. It's not flat enough, right? And this was another thing I was thinking. It's it's a combination. Like for me to feel like I'm really watching Star Trek, I need the lighting, I need the carpet, and I need the flat shot. The flat shot also is the one that like shows the carpet. Right shows them in that environment yeah. as just yeah. like a generic space,
0: it's people in a space,
1: yeah, yeah, rather than like cinematic angles, yeah, I think like to me, Star Trek is fundamentally not cinematic and can't be yeah. made cinematic, yeah, yeah, if it's made cinematic it it destroys right the uh the content somehow <laughs> I think it's true,
0: I think that's true because cinematic is like subjectivizes stuff in yeah. the camera right and yes. star trek is not about subjectivization
1: yeah exactly you want to feel like you're watching a diorama of reality with things happening in it yeah you could probably do a theatrical production of tng right that would be decent yeah and there's something i can't explain which is like nothing nothing in in new trek cinematic track can be scary the way it could be in the original series in the in the in tng not the original series Mm. like things in the threats in tng emerge as disruptions in this clean rationalized objective world yeah with scientific actors understanding it exactly and an anomaly is like a disturbing war, it warps that reality. And then you, you want to try to understand what it is and then, yeah. they, you know, figure yeah. it out as yeah rational, professional, Starfleet yeah. people.
0: They colonize so, the, 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 <laughs> <laughs> they colonize the anomaly with their patriarchal white objectivity.
1: Well, the anomaly is not really anomalous. It's only anomalous to their provincial perspective. They're, they're universalizing their perspective. By understanding the anomaly. That's your so, take so. As, a, <laughs> as
0: a white colonial objectivist.
1: But yeah, in 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 this Star Trek with all this like close-ups and more violence and dramatic lighting, it's all it there's no tension to me. There's no like uh, nothing is, is really nothing is really out of the ordinary. Nothing is really an anomaly. The whole thing is just one big kind of mishmash of anomalies rather than like it doesn't construct the world of world of uh, science in the future encountering the unknown it just constructs this kind of dramatic
0: yeah
1: yeah generic cinematic thing
0: yeah yeah when the when the bridge of the bad guy ship looks the same as the bridge of the enterprise ship yeah it doesn't wo- it's not it doesn't work anymore like the visual communication. Of, like it work that works as a visual communication of the difference.
1: Yeah, yeah. I but mean, obviously, see, sorry. When, like when you see a character go go haywire, like when you see data, and it's not data; it's lore in the original in TNG. Mm. Like lore is an, is like a, a perversion of data somehow. Or you like change more. the lighting. <laughs> That's what they
0: do when we, when they film lore. When, when you realize it's lore, they change the light the way they f- the the camera position and the lighting. I guess they did have dramatic camera angles in the, the center. They do it purposefully. They know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: However, counterpoint. You're absolutely right, of course, but counterpoint <laughs> Deep Space Nine, they are in a Cardassian station. Yeah. And everything is, like, way more shady. Like, the environment is more shady. The architecture is postmodern and
1: spiky. Yeah. Because um, they're, a, they're a desert lizard. Well, lizard. lizard and desert lizard. people live, on, <laughs> as everyone
0: knows, dislike yeah. clean shapes.
1: Yeah, supposedly.
0: <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> they don't... Yeah. Anyway, and that uh,
1: cultural essentialism of all of all things.
0: The um, so like that works in the sense that I mean, still the lighting is, that the camera work is everything is way more flat than later treks yeah. that happen in actual Starfleet ships, but that kind of works because. Deep Space Nine is about them being constantly uncomfortable in a weird, being in a in a very difficult position all the time, right? It's yeah. they are not exploring the galaxy in their own little Starfleet bubble of of, of Federation, which is a ship. They're yeah. they are in the muck.
1: Yeah, they're so out their of ship.
0: yeah. They're out of their environment exactly. They're not in their comfort zone.
1: Yeah, and that's part that's the story.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, them not having that like safe space. Is important visually. Like the and therefore everything being w- way darker and more grey and there not being a carpet.
1: Yeah. Is is fine there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And this is the this is like puts the lie to the whole alibi on New Trek that it's supposed to be more like realist and about politics and about
0: how is it more realist that a starship doesn't have proper lighting for people to know what they're doing when they're pressing buttons it's insane yeah. like do you know, know how much energy an electric bulb costs in comparison to a starship warp engine why would they save on light bulbs <laughs> <laughs> they have dilithium
1: they don't need to save on light bulbs <laughs> i just i yeah No, but I mean, like the the whole like dark trek that they're dealing with more serious themes, with more critical themes, right? Like that was all done well on DS nine. Yes, in a way that was still Star Trek. Yeah, that the new Trek just can't can't figure out. No, do it. Yeah, that's my uh, that's my how maybe one of the first times that I fully appreciated. A carpet of design and a carpet, (laughs) (laughs) and just flat lighting. Yes. So architecture really does matter. There you go. Even in space. Even in space.
0: Bye. Bye.